independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. It's really recognizing that you are an ecosystem as like you're a coral reef or you're a rainforest. When you're making choices for food, for example, or whether or not to drink or whether or not to eat sugar, whether or not to sleep, how you process stress. I mean, these are all things that tremendously impact this ecosystem of microbes that then, of course, have other then turn around and have impacts on our health. How will a deeper understanding of our microbiome health encourage us to take better care of ourselves and also our planet? What do we know right now about how human activity may have been impacting our Earth's richness and diversity of microbes? And what does this mean for sustainability going forward? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To check out our limited 2019 Green Dreamer planners created to holistically support all that you do this year, just head to greendreamer.com. Your purchase will also support the planting of 50 trees and the continued production of Green Dreamer. So thank you so much if you get to find something that you love. More on this later, along with a discount code just for you. But for now, on to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the co-founder and CEO of Seed, which is pioneering the application of microbiome science for both human and planetary health. They're known not only for the first consumer probiotic on the market to confer clinical benefits beyond digestive health, but more recently for a probiotic that helps to protect honeybees against colony collapse disorder. From her work, she's been named in Marie Claire's The New Guard, The 50 Most Influential Women in America, as well as on Business Insider's Silicon Alley Top 100 and 36 Rockstar Women in New York City Tech. This was such a fascinating conversation that if you listen closely and really sit with our words to process what they mean, I feel like it's one that can really shift your perspective on how to look at your own health, our planet's holistic health, of which we're a part of, and how we can take better care of ourselves and our planet going forward. Before we dive in, I wanted to first leave you with an idea to keep in mind. In any given ecosystem, whether it be a rainforest or an ecosystem underwater, the richer the biodiversity the more balanced and stable that entire system will be. This is why abnormal rates of species going extinct can destabilize the balance and health of an ecosystem, and therefore why the conservation of biodiversity is so important. And I mentioned this because this concept can be applied to the world of microbes as well. Our world is dominated by microbes, and even though we can't see them with our naked eyes, they're everywhere, inside and on our bodies to work with us to maintain our health, and also all around us in our natural environment. 
environments where, for example, they're essential to the regeneration of healthy, nutrient-rich soil. This is just a preface to how key these tiny little guys are to our health and ultimately the sustainability of our planet as well. Green Dreamer starting off with what inspired her passion for nature. Here's Ara Katz. I mean, it's a great question. I think it's kind of like I know, you know, Nike says, if you, if you have a body, you're an athlete. I think one of the most beautiful ideas is that, you know, if, if you have a body, I think you should be a scientist mm. <laughs> of some sort. And all that means is kind of a, ha- being committed to kind of this methodology of questioning um, and experimentation and observation and, and being open to kind of iteration and evolving your ideas and, um, and your thoughts. And I think, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the word wellness, but I do think that this notion of um, my, my first inspiration to kind of care for our body came. My mom passed away when I was really young um, and I was a teenager. And uh, and I think, you know, watching her her go through that experience of illness, I was also was formative. I was an athlete from a very early age. I felt like I, I had a lot of questions about what we understood about our bodies. And I think I really fundamentally never understood why we looked at our bodies. And then we looked at like, like you learn about climate change or you learn about the rainforest in, in school and you learn about like biology and, or your body. But I was always like struck by how they were taught so separately. I've always been really interested in like this, this idea that we have kind of this narcissism of that we can kind of save the planet, <laughs> but, but we forget that we are of the planet and we are of this greater ecosystem. And so when we're talking about our own health, we're actually talking the same way you talk about like the health of a rainforest or the diversity of a rainforest is kind of the way you talk about we should be talking about our bodies. And so I think I never really understood that split. And so I'm always curious about um, and most inspired, I think, in some ways by how we can start to not think so in such a siloed way, which is, of course, how medicine more typically works. And so I think my whole life, I always was curious about that and mostly was was fascinated by the space between science and the products and the information that's marketed to us. And I thought there was like a really interesting like white space there in a place that I really wanted to kind of close both for my own self-care, but what I felt like I could, I could, would be of service to the greater community of humans. Those were some of the pieces. And then really when I got pregnant, um, I think that was like my real aha moment. Pregnancy and breastfeeding were really my impetus uh, and my kind of inflection point. I already have so many questions for you. So you mentioned that you're not a fan of the word wellness. Can you, can you <laughs> cover that for us? Well, you know, it's kind of like it kind of goes down as like the word, you know, the the way that the word authentic or bespoke or, you know, any of these things, I think that get a little um, present. I would say it's not that I'm not a fan of the word itself. I think I, I think that it euphemistically has come to be kind of a catch all for on the one hand, a really good, a good thing, which is probably a rise in self-care and, and, a, and a refocusing on this notion of preventive care, this idea of going from sick care to self-care, um, which is a very good thing. What I don't love is that it's it's more described as an industry. And I think as an industry, like any area that grows very quickly, that attracts both things that are of service and, and are actually helpful. And then I think it then also attracts a lot of opportunity and things that can come to maybe hyperbolize or sensationalize and, and certainly create trends out of some of these things around self-care. Um, and I'm not sure that that in the end is the greatest service to how we care for ourselves. And so I think I'm probably more would say I don't like the way the word is 
used um, than the word itself. And I think right. it's just kind of become this catch-all. And so what people, the way people are caring for themselves is also being conflated with this, with like this massive global growing business sector. And I'm not sure that, that that's the best path forward. For sure. And you also mentioned that, you know, in school, our health and environmental health are taught separately as two different things. What was it that inspired you to connect these dots? I think when you become a mother and when you create life, <laughs> um, literally, in, in, in you, I think that at least for me, it, it was an incredibly transformative moment. I think I've always been like intellectually curious about this question, but I think when you really carry life and you bring life into this world, it's incredibly, you know, animalistic <laughs> and it's in, and, and both the, the process of birth, but also like, you know, all those, you know, years you grow up, you watch National Geographic, you see like the, the, the mama kangaroo or the mama bear, you see, you know, you, you realize that it, there's this in, in immediate equality that you feel with like all other living things that birth new life. And I think that first is such, it's such a, it's such a visceral transformative perspective of how to be in and of the world and how to like walk through life every day. Right. Um, and then I think there's like the secondary piece, which is then you, you kind of end up feeling this stewardship or this responsibility for stewardship of, of not just for this one child, but of this earth that they're going to be of and where they're, what, what, what their future looks like. And, um, you know, obviously we're in a really scary place right now from a planetary perspective. And I think you, you end up feeling this kind of greater. And I think a lot of moms share this, like this almost greater burden of responsibility to not just steward the life you created, but the life and the environment that they're going to grow up in. Um, and I think you end up feeling a very maternal caring for living things in a way that I think you maybe at least I, while I always loved nature and I always, of course, was, you know, loved animals and I, I, I love the, love what I think the natural environment offers. I don't think I really understood how connected it all was until really having a child. And then after connecting the dots between our health and our planet's health, how did you get into the field of microbiome and start uh, seed? You know, I, I started attracting microbiome science in so more from like a prosumer perspective. You know, there were like some New York Times bestsellers that came out about it. You started hearing the functional integrative uh, community talk about it. You saw Obama kind of start and fund the human microbiome project. And so I'm because I'm not I'm not a scientist. I haven't spent my time in more of my in microbiology uh, like my like my co-founder has. I probably came at it more from the and, and learned about it and came through the the portal of you know hearing about it probably mostly through the way that it got first portrayed in the media, which was really around like of course um, like autoimmune and you know feeling like there's this kind of really important ecosystem like uh, which of course Obama recognized when he funded the Human Microbiome Project, but. It was really, that was kind of my intellectual curiosity, but I would say from a personal perspective and certainly where Seed was born out of was absolutely out of my uh, experience during pregnancy. I met my co-founder when I was pregnant and then most probably importantly and, and the probably biggest inflection point was during breastfeeding because after about four months of breastfeeding, I could only supply about a third of my son's milk. And I think when you start to, and when you, when you spend more time in the space and you start to understand 
this incredibly critical window of development that happens for an infant's microbiome that is almost like their code, you know, their coding for their immune system, their GI system, it, you know, has the, what happens during this critical window while, while a steady state microbiome is being developed in an infant and being nurtured is setting them up for life. I mean, think, you know, things that this, this has lifelong implications for their health. And so when I looked for supplementation options for formula um, or for breast milk, I was so saddened by the fact that I felt that we knew a lot in science, don't know everything, and it's it's a field that really does is is progressing at a velocity I've kind of never seen in, in, in any other field of science. But it's in- extraordinary because there was literally nothing that I could find that was informed by science. It was just oh, buy the the, the more expensive stuff from Europe because they have better supply chain or cleaner supply chain, but not because there was anything that was scientifically superior. And I felt that there was an opportunity to really. And that's where the entrepreneur in you kind of, I guess, doesn't turn off even when you're a mom, uh, which was like, oh, well, I'm just going to reinvent infant formula. I'm going to go get the best scientists. We're going to, you know, and I think that that really was like my aha kind of entrepreneurial moment, but also where I felt like I could make this massive impact because I know so many women face this decision and they kind of stir that powder with tears in their eyes because they know that they know that it's not as good as what they could provide naturally, but they also know that what they're doing is not maybe as good as it could be, or maybe what could reflect the science today. And so that was really the, that was really the inflection point. And from, from looking at that first window of development for an infant seed kind of was born where we realized that there was a much bigger opportunity and a much more exciting opportunity, which was not to just impact that first critical window of development with a new formula, but how could we look at microbes and be, be the, this platform from which we could translate um, the micro, microbiome science as it kind of comes online for products and applications um, for both not just human health, but also planetary health. So for a listener who hasn't heard of seed before, can you share a little background of what you do? Absolutely. So we're a really unique ecosystem of scientists, doctors, researchers, biofermenters, storytellers, designers, and entrepreneurs. And one of the things we do is really think about how we're going to bridge microbiome science and consumer health, how we're going to create a new standard in bacteria as bacteria starts to play an increasingly important role in our lives. I mean, I think we've only begun to see and scratch the surface. Um, It will change how how we eat, how we care for our skin, how we have children, how we think about our vaginal health as women, how we think about growing food, how we think about caring for animals. Um, I mean, there are incredible areas, how we think about administering a microbe before we would take a statin uh, or before we would take an antibiotic in the future. So we're only beginning to see the implications. Of course, right now, people kind of think think of probiotics mostly around digestive health and immune health, but that's just the beginning. And so what we really saw was, of course, where this, this future is heading and where the science is heading and realizing that there really was an opportunity to steward kind of the future of translating microbiome science for consumer health, um, as I mentioned, also in some cases, planetary health, environmental health. And being that standard, because one of the things that is not, while the science is extremely exciting, there's a severe lack of regulation and regulatory and enforcement around categories like probiotics. And so there's a tremendous amount of noise out there because, again, like wellness and and some of these categories can be very opportunistic when there's a lot of high growth. And so we really wanted to be that area, that place where we could be that, that standard, that gold standard of both science, but also the communication of it. So we think about areas like for example, of course, digestive and immune health, and that's where the science, a lot of the science, the best science is today. We think about dermatological health and cardiovascular health. We think about metabolic health, cellular health. We, we even think about honeybees. We, we, we launched our probiotic for honeybees this past summer. 
in trials and filed IP so that it was open source for all farmers um, and, uh, and beekeepers. Um, and that's just one area, again, from an environmental perspective, where microbes will play a role. But we have a quite quite large pipeline. Um, and we have a, our first product came out last June, which is a symbiotic, which is a combination of probiotics and prebiotics. And it's what we believe is probably one of the most, one of the, if not, if not the most sophisticated um, probiotic on the market. And I really want to dive all into microbiome in just a bit, but yes. I'd love to hear like, because this was essentially you doing something that wasn't really being done before, what was your greatest mm. personal struggle building up this company as a pioneer? The greatest personal struggle, truthfully, is probably a more personal one, which is that I've always been someone that is incredibly invested in my work and, and therefore probably results in incredibly unhealthy working hours. And I think one of the things that is a really important discipline is when you're doing something that's about health is actually trying to maintain alignment between what you're about as a company and what you practice and preach internally, um, both internally in terms of my own experience of running a company and how I work, but also um, internally as, as a team and culturally. There are a lot of great companies, even social impact companies and sustainability companies that really are doing incredible and extraordinary things on the outside but it's maybe not mirrored on the inside. And I would say the greatest struggle is always like finding a way that those are those are actually in alignment and in balance and that you walk the walk and you talk the talk. And, you know, it's a very challenging thing. I have a three-year-old. Um, I am obviously a, a co-CEO and co-founder of a company that's growing very quickly. And so those things are often not, those are things are often not, uh, not aligned. Um, and so really trying to figure out how you, how could you be a company that, is actually about this this balancing of this ecosystem and it is about people's health and then burn yourself out, right? <laughs> so it's really, I, I would say that's probably one of the greatest ones, which is like really maintaining that alignment. What have you found to be the most effective as of right now in trying to be aligned in this way? Calendaring the things that are the most important to me. <laughs> <laughs> Prioritizing. <laughs> Yeah, but if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get prioritized. You know, it's like it, 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 some you have to. You, ha I, I'm, I'm a big, I, I love user, user design, user experience, and and you know how, how and UI UX work, and how, you know, the the interfaces of our life um, reflect our priorities. I mean, your the home the home screen of anybody's phone will tell you a lot about them, right? Mm. And so I think a lot about like from a, in terms of calendaring, you know, those time slots, if you really look at it, there's very, they're limited. It's probably the only thing that we're fairly limited in these days uh, is time. So if you have a child, if you have a relationship, if you have friends, which, you know, and again, I'm, I, I can't say that I'm doing all of this well, but I would say if it goes on the calendar and it, it is as important and has the, the equivalence from a UI perspective <laughs> of my life as a conference call or an investor call or getting back to, you know, some important person that, that is involved in the company or one of our scientists, if you don't create that hierarchy that like, you can, at least for me that I can visually see it, it's very hard to then ma maintain that. And, and you end up eating a lot of like brain time trying to kind of maintain that, I guess, mental calendar and mental prioritization. And so for me, it's, it's, it's calendaring. Like my, my team knows when I'm going home to spend time with my son, it's on the calendar. <laughs> for sure. So I'd love to switch gears now and go all into microbiome. And I'd love to start with like the very basics. So what exactly is our microbiome? Sure. So the microbiome is the collection, specifically 38 trillion uh, <laughs> microorganisms that live in and on our body. 
technically, the technical definition is it's the collection of the genes expressed by those microorganisms. But really what, what people mostly are referring to is they're referring to that collection of bacteria, well, not just bacteria, mostly bacteria, but other microorganisms that live and maintain ecosystems all over our body, um, majority of which being in our gut. And it's collectively, they, they weigh about three to five pounds, which is you know about the same as our brain. Wow. So... I feel like when we think about things we do in healthy living, we think about fitness, diet, sleep, uh, mental well-being, but this is like on a mm. micro level. So how, do, how does our microbiome <laughs> impact our health? Yeah, I mean, it, it, in some ways, I, I think one of, um, one of the interesting things, if you think about the fact that like, you know, our, our human cells are, we're pretty much 50% human by last count by the Weissman Institute. So when you start to think that you're actually like half human, meaning like you have as many microbial cells as you do human cells, that's fairly a crazy. <laughs> um, B it's a, it's a real perspective shift. And when you start to understand like how fundamentally important, uh, they are. So first I'll tell you that they live and they have, they maintain ecosystems that are also very distinct from each other. And that's important because, you know, before you understand what they do, it's important to know that your skin has its own microbiome. Uh, for women, uh, there's a vaginal microbiome. Uh, of course, your gut, again, where the where the majority uh, of your bacteria reside is its, is its own very complex ecosystem. Inside your nose, for example, is another microbiome. In your mouth is another microbiome. And what's kind of crazy is that my forearm and your far forearm's ecosystem is more similar than your mouth and your forearm, your <laughs> own mouth and your own forearm. So it's really fascinating. And, and I think what even just last week they were they discovered there's a neuroscience conference where they, they presented that they were starting to find, you know, areas where they thought were mostly sterile, like the brain, or for example, like a child in in embryo an embryo or a child in the in the placenta they're finding microbes um, in places that they thought, as I said, for a very long time were sterile. Um, and so I would say of many of the microbiomes today uh, of our body, we are finding out more and more every day. But what this means is that they're increasingly, we're also learning how, in, how many more functions and roles they play within our body every day as science advances. Um, but I would say the most important way to think about it is that they are in kind of this ongoing dance with our human cells. Because as an ecosystem, you know, what an ecosystem wants to do is maintain stasis, right? Maintain balance and homeostasis. In, in nature, they call it allostasis. And your body's always wanting to go back to that, like a, an ecosystem is always trying to find its way back to that, to that state. And information comes in all day, food, environmental factors, how much you sleep, how stressed you are, whether you're in nature, whether you're in a built environment or industrial environment, you know, who you touch, who you kiss, I mean, who, whether or not you have a pet, you know, these are all things that are basically information that needs to be processed um, every second of every day by your body. And if you think that microbes, because they are really this interface between us and the exterior world, one, one of the craziest things to think about is that you're a donut. We always say we tell people you're a donut, you're a two-hold <laughs> organism. So your gut, like your entire digestive tract is an external surface. Um, if you, it, to think about. which is, which is extraordinary. If you think about that, if you think about the way, how much thought you put into your skincare, 
And and you think now you think about, well, what are you putting on your other skin, right? The the one that's inside, because it never touches the inside world. I mean, theoretically, of course, it does when you have some sort of pathology, because people have all kinds of permeability. And sometimes that, that layer, that epithelial layer is punctured, but, or there, you know, is permeated. But for the most part, when things are going very well, it is an ex- fully external surface. And that's, it's a crazy idea, because it really shifts the way that you think, I mean, all of these external surfaces in your nose and your mouth, I mean, all these microbes are doing is just processing information, figuring out what to do with it. And having a healthy ecosystem means you can deal with this information in a healthy way. Of course, when it's dysbiotic, which means kind of out of out of balance, um, or you have a pathogen um, or bacterial infection, of course you then can't deal with that information well. And 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 it's a really it's a it's a beautiful dance that they do with our human cells, really trying to basically keep us at this in this balanced state. And so they're important just to be more literal to your to answer your question. I mean, microbes, we couldn't digest food without microbes. I mean, they're key to our immune system. They're key to the maintenance, as I said, of that of that that gut barrier that is incredibly important for preventing, you know, all kinds of things, particularly inflammation. And, you know, they're they're of course we're starting to understand their role in um, in the gut brain axis and how they may regulate mood and and how we feel. We know that they're a critical part of of, of appetite and what we crave. So, uh, you know, and, and then of course in, in, in other ecosystems like the skin, they're, they're important in terms of maintaining, you know, all kinds of, uh, it's, it's very similar, like in terms of, you know, in terms of preventing various inflammatory responses, of course, maintaining hy- the hydration of the skin, protecting it from all kinds of external factors that it comes in contact with every day. And then in the, in the, in the vaginal microbiome, you know, microbes are a really meaningful part of maintaining the pH of the vagina, which is really important. A lot of people don't know about, uh, and of course, preventing against path, you know, pathogens. There's so much to this, <laughs> just processing yeah. <laughs> all this information. Um, so essentially, self-care isn't just about taking care of ourselves. It's also about taking care of the other 50% of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, yeah, correct. I would say that it's, it's really recognizing that you, you are an ecosystem that you can't just care and, and make choices for your human part that you really need to think of yourself much more holistically as, as like we always say, like you're a coral, if you think of yourself, you're a coral reef or you're a rainforest. It's a really impactful way to think because, you know, we know that there's, you know, when you're, when you're making choices to, for food, for example, or whether or not to drink or whether or not to eat sugar, how to, you know, whether or not to sleep, how you process stress. I mean, these are all things that tremendously impact this ecosystem of microbes that then of course have other, then turn around and have impacts on our health. And so it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful idea too for, um, also it's funny when some, someone told me like, you know, after I learned that I could just take care of my microbes, I, I have a harder time taking care of my human self. But when I knew it wasn't about me, yeah. <laughs> I, it was easier, which is kind of like a funny construct. And I think some people either either like to think of it as I'm taking care of my whole self and they like to think of them, their microbiome as kind of part of them. Um, kind of what I was saying about we are of the earth, of the planet, of the environment. We are not other than it. And then some people find it easier to comply and make better choices when they can think of it as something separate, almost like a child <laughs> yeah. or something else to care for, because somehow it's harder to care. And it's an interesting psychology that we've developed, but sometimes it's very hard for us to care for ourselves. It's kind of like when I have my dog with me, I need to take him out every single day on a run. But when mm-hmm. I'm by myself, I don't do that for me. Mm-hmm. Like I do it for him. So yes. yeah, it's a very interesting psychology that we've kind of developed where, I mean, it's the same thing for our planet, right? So then how does our microbiome relate to our planet's health or our planet's microbiome? You know, it's a great, great question. I think, um, 
well, I think the first thing is, is kind of going back to what I said before, which is that we are not in this environment. We are not on this environment. We are of this environment. Mm-hmm. And really, no matter what we think, you know, this, this planet is predominantly microbial. I mean, the total weight of all microbes on this planet is greater than the total weight of everything that we can see with our eyes. That's profound. You know, that, that's a big deal. On, on this planet, microbes rule. They outnumber us. They adapt better than we do. And they will certainly survive us. So I think it's really important to recognize that like, you know, our human scale actions have very reciprocal consequences on this essentially micro, you know, planetary microbiome, which again is, is larger than us, but we can impact it greatly. So as a, as a perfect example, like when we use antibiotics in animals um, to improve weight gain, you know, the microbes adapt and then the numbers of antibiotic resistant microbes are spread through their waste into the soil. And if we just keep you and if we carelessly, of course, continue using pesticides, which of course then affects insects, it has ramifications for the diversity of all of those microbes in the soil. And over time, what we're doing is we're depleting the microbial diversity. And this makes for, of course, less healthy soils. But then but healthy soils are necessary to have healthy food. And so learning how we replenish you know, those soils with microbes is, of course, a big part of thinking about how we'll improve our soil carbon levels, improve our food, and slow the release of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And so you can see that like, you know, everything is linked. And I think one of the things that microbes teach us is that everything is connected. You know, it's like those that beautiful you know, Da Vinci and Ames and... Um, many people have said this throughout history in different ways, but, you know, everything is ultimately connected and microbes, are, I mean, I always say microbes are the invisible internet of everything. I mean, they literally connect us to every other living thing and the ramifications, the domino effect of what we are doing, whether it's um, an antibiotic in, in livestock, whether it's taking our own antibiotic when we don't need one, making choices around like sugar, for example, which, you know, while we, of course, know very well what the damage is to the human body. Um, most people don't talk about like the damage that the sugar industry has on the planet, which is, I think, the second like worst offending industry from an environmental perspective. And so I think I think that what I think that most people don't realize is really just how connected it all is. You know, of course, there's very obvious things like why the move towards more plant-based diets and the reduction of like meat consumption is important. And I think I'm sure a lot of your audience already knows that. But when you start to go into the microbial piece of this, you can see how it actually gets linked all the way down and then creates really big problems kind of systemically in the future. If we don't start thinking that way, um, which of course we're not from a climate change perspective in really important things that we should be doing. It's, it's really scary that, that um, again, like, like you said, it's like you have to be walking your dog to be able to do some of these things. But I think the question I have is, you know, how bad does something have to get for you to, to do the run yourself, right? Just to use your metaphor. But we are at an inflection point where if we don't start thinking this way, the unintended consequences are, are far beyond what's in you know any UN health report, because of course they're they're still looking at markers that don't take into account all of the microbial consequences. Yeah. So how do we begin to think on this micro level and translate this into action? Yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, look. I think there's a, there's a number of things. I think, of course, there's very, very easy and simple things in our own life. Like if you, if you get sick um, and you know, your doctor of course rushes or you rush to say, Oh, I want a Z pack or I would like to take an antibiotic um, kind of prophylactically or just to be sure. I think those are moments where you can kind of just start to say, you know, do I really need this? Um, And of course, by the way, antibiotics are incredibly important at certain moments and for certain reasons. But I think that first, that first question of, is this, what is the, the greater impact? 
of this. So making you know choices about when to take an antibiotic. Of course, uh, nutritional choices, moving towards um, as predominantly plant-based of a diet as possible, thinking about sugar and reduction of con- sugar consumption, um, reduction of alcohol consumption, thinking about your sleep, thinking about when to be um, be in and, and of nature, having a pet. These are all things, at least from a, from a human perspective, have all been demonstrated to um, increase our di- microbial diversity and, and as a result, of course, have, have systemic effects in our health. And increasingly, we have more and more technology to grow food in very sterile environments yes. with just water and nutrients. Do we know how yes. that impacts the food we grow? And our health as consumers compared to food grown in soils or even aquaponics that are at least rich in microorganisms, including bacteria? There's a lot of research being done, particularly like on the soil microbiome, even plants that are growing in areas uh, like already in the ocean that that you wouldn't think are having effects of things that are already growing naturally. Um, are also being compromised. So I don't, I don't know that if it's, you know, necessarily one or the other, because, you know, a lot of things that are happening in our oceans, for example, in terms of algae and the amount of glucose, for example, that algae is now producing, um, it has never been seen before. So like I, there was a great article about, it was a little I, sensationalized, but the idea that algae is becoming like a junk food. <laughs> um, and so I think we're going to start to see a lot more um, in the future, particularly around like soil microbiome. And one, one of the scientists we work with is actually thinking about, you know, how microbes, to your point about growing food in, in areas that are not desirable. For example, she works in the administration of microbes that helped um, grow food and drought, create drought, drought resistant plants. So you could be able to grow food in areas where, of course, there are, is less water supply. And so I think that we'll start to see how microbes are administered in ways that will change and allow, or I should say, allow us to adapt our agriculture and the way we grow food to some of the changing conditions of the environment. But it's safe to say that the microorganism diversity or richness in any given environment impacts the living species there. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's just because it's of not just impacts it, but it is of it. And therefore, it is also impacted by where it is, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it's just one part of the equation, Mm -hmm. one part of the whole. Yes, very much so. And I think until we start really becoming systems thinkers around all these aspects, I think it's very challenging to start looking at just like one small piece of it uh, without understanding it more systemically. Like, for example, in in the uh, example I gave earlier with like pesticides or with um, antibiotics, for example, in, in livestock. And the final thing is, you know, in the bigger picture, we're continuing to urbanize as a society, which means that on a day to day basis, we're not interacting with natural environments that expose us to uh, healthy bacteria and these microbes as much as we used to. What do you think is the bigger picture impact of urbanization on our collective microbiome health? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, there's, you know, there are a number of scientists, some of some of which are our advisors that really speak about this kind of decrease in microbial diversity being, you know, linked very closely with the rise of most of the non-communicable diseases that we're dealing with today. And I think that that is very interesting. I think that, you know, obviously a lot more research has to be done, but that diversity that has decreased by, you know, again, I I wouldn't say that it's just living in the built environment. There's a lot of factors um, that come with that, particularly around diet, is going to be a big focus also of how, like, I, I know a lot of architects and a lot of urban planners that are starting to think about 
how could you reintroduce this? Um, how, what is going to be, there's a, a lot of people talking about like the microbiome of your home and the microbiome of cities. And, uh, and a lot of people are starting to think about what, how are we going to construct these environments in the future to be mindful of, of, of this kind of decreased diversity. Um, and I think it's, again, as I said at the very beginning, I think it's only going to start to play an increasingly uh, larger role um, in the way we think about the choices we make and how we live, I mean, everywhere. Uh, and I respect that I always say, like, it's not, you know, it's not just your kitchen, in your, in your bathroom. It's, it's, it's really going to be a fundamental shift in the way we, like, think about being of the world, how we travel, um, how we bring our microbes with us <laughs> to different places, um, which, of course, never, never also used to happen. And so it's uh, like one of our evolutionary biologists that we work with, like, likes to say, you know, because um, people, people sometimes say like, oh, I can't go to that country. It's like, it's, you know, it's dirty or I all get really sick or it's, you know, it's like we, we make this assumption that something's kind of dirty. But uh, actually, he said to me, it's like, no, what we don't realize is that our micro, you know, our microbes didn't adapt in the same way that theirs did. Uh, and so there's, of course, the um, the idea that when you're in in these other places, again, they're kind of quote unquote other, which is kind of what we, I was saying before about how we, how we otherize like ourselves in the environment. But in some ways we forget that like our microbes didn't, didn't evolve to adapt there and they, and they never were meant to be there or they never were meant to be there and certainly couldn't have anticipated that they'd be there. This is super interesting. I have like so many more questions for you, but we do have to wrap up. So um, taking on this perspective of really taking into account microbiotic health for us and our mm planet as a whole, what do you think we need most to accelerate towards better public health and a thriving planet? I think, I think the first one is really um, more research, right? More, more work to really understand this kind of mutual dependence on microbes and, and our relationship with them and, and really allow this research to unfold. That's going to bring us a much, much deeper understanding, richer understanding of our bodies. And then of course, how they interact with and how they are of the planet. And then, and then of course, hopefully that that research continues to open up a window into how we have much deeper connections that exist, you know, between all living creatures on the planet. And I think that that result will kind of have two things. First is that we're going to maintain, obtain a lot of new skills and, and ways that we can actionably impact our health and improve the quality of our lives and probably even extend our lives. And obviously, we'll really shift the way we think about both preventing and treating disease and the ways that we, as I mentioned earlier, like those actions we will take before we take the, the actions that we are currently taking. I was just on the phone earlier earlier this morning with another scientist who said, you know, in the future, you know, the way we even think about pharmaceuticals today is going to fundamentally change. Mm. And, that, and that won't that won't be because of the rise of like wellness necessarily or, or like alternative medicine. Um, but I think it's because we're going to start to really understand our bodies more, more systemically. The second is that we're really through this research and through deeper understanding, we're, we're definitely going to understand like what actually we can do to maintain this planet. And that's, of course, the dance that I mentioned earlier, which is that it's not they're not they're not different, but our health and, and that stewardship of the planet are going to be very linked through uh, ways that I, I'm not sure we even, you know, even yet know, although I think we're starting to understand. And that will come, we believe, from a lot of greater awareness and, um, of to, and, and of course, the understanding of the function of our microbiome. It's not the best answer because I think we're still learning. But I think that it, 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 without that kind of awareness, and then, of course, with awareness comes funding, comes more research, the idea that, that 
that we could be living successes as organ as an organism and as an, as a as of the larger environment that will be based on kind of very close collaboration and codependency and kind of a balancing with this kind of microbial world is really exciting and it's a really it's a really fundamental shift in in how we can we think about it, as as you said earlier not just our uh, our human part but our you know microbial part which is a totally different shift. Um, and, and maybe people will start to think about their microbes the way that you think about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to continually learning more from you and from the C team. So what's next for you and where can we follow you online? Sure. So you can find us at seed.com, S-E-E-D.com, um, or at seed on Instagram. And what's next is some of our environmental projects, um, particularly around soil and, and ways that microbes may help with some of the more imminent and acute issues that are facing things like our water supply. Uh, we will be talking about early next year, as well as uh, we'll be releasing a few more products um, in the new year. Before we go into our final five, I wanted to give you a discount code in case you're interested in our 2019 Green Dreamer planners. They feature our major Earth Awareness Days, 101 self-care reminders, gratitude lists, weekly simple suggested actions to take and cross off, minimalist weekly and monthly pages, extra bullet journal pages, and more. And again, each planner contributes to the planting of 50 trees through international nonprofit Eden Reforestation Projects. If this sounds like it'd be helpful to you and you want to support Reforestation and Green Dreamer podcast, just head to greendreamer.com slash planners and use the discount code greendreamer for 10% off. Again, that's greendreamer.com slash planners and discount code greendreamer. For now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? I'll give you two. Um, the first, I think we're very proud of our seed Instagram, so I would definitely check it out. It, it is a really big focus on education. And then the podcast, I would say, uh, On Being by Krista Tippett and, uh, and for, for science, um, reading massive science. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I don't, don't suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in the most Buddhist way, but don't, don't be attached to how something, how you think something should be. Mm. I think that's like probably one of the most important things I've learned. Uh, what's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? I think constantly about what are what are the choices that again what you're saying earlier is for for my whole self. So I would say it's just simply the day to day dietary choices. I'd like to give you a, a much more fancy routine, but it really is just making those right choices kind of on a daily basis. Uh, what's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I think thinking about growing more food of my own. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? conversations like these <laughs> <laughs> and what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers hmm. i think i would say that you know i'm a i'm a true outsider in the in the world that i am in now and i think that is sometimes where the best solutions come from and that i would not not do something just because you don't have domain expertise in it because i think there's a lot of value that comes from assembling communities and bringing people from disparate backgrounds and perspectives together that will tilt their head and, and look at a big problem in a very different way than if you just spent 20 years researching a specific area. You can be the steward of, of a community without being an expert in it. And I think that's a really powerful idea as we think about some of the big problems that need to get solved. 
you can be a steward of a community without being an expert in it, and in fact, your difference and unique perspective is exactly what will make your voice and ideas invaluable wherever you go. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable takeaways from this interview and the full show notes with links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 109 for episode 109. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane, as well as on our new account at Green Dreamer Podcast. I also wanted to thank our reviewer of the week, Manifesting Yogi, for their feedback. They said, so grateful for this podcast as I start diving into a more sustainable lifestyle. The podcast is so educational, inspiring, professional sounding, and captivating. I recommend this to every single person who calls Earth their home. End quote. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you to be here, and I can't wait to learn more with you. If you'd also like to support Green Dreamer by leaving a review of what you're enjoying, make sure to also leave your social media username, business name, or name of the passion project that you're working on so I can potentially give you a shout out and we can check your workout. Finally, as we're wrapping up, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.